into the book of Acts chapter 16, which you're probably already there. And we're going to talk today about how is it that God wants to use our lives. We know that the Bible tells us that we are supposed to continually look at our lives and say, what is it that God wants to do through me? How is it that God could use me? I'm just an Ohio farm boy who grew up. How could God use me? God can use any one of us. But it's not a matter of whether God will or won't use us. It's a matter of whether we will make ourselves available to him. And that really boils down to choices. And so as we look at a sermon titled this morning, The Power of One, it's the power of one choice, one choice that we make to allow God to use us. Let's ask God to help us this morning, and then we will dive into the passage this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for the fact that you sought us out even when we were strangers and we were not worthy of anything, Lord. But because of your tremendous love towards us, we can see that we can learn to love you too and to give ourselves wholly over to you and rely on you and nothing but you. Thank you for Christ, for the way that he came and left everything. And out of a desire to show that love, he was willing to sacrifice May we be willing to do the same thing today. Would we show love for you by our willingness to sacrifice, to put things aside that maybe we could grasp onto, but yet we will set those aside because we desire you. Thank you, Lord, for this time, for your word. Use the Holy Spirit in a way that only you can do, and may we be willing to follow. We love you and thank you for your love for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We see here in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they had but one life to live. They had but one course set before them that God desired them to follow. But ultimately, that choice was up to them. God leads in our lives in many amazing ways. I think if we were to stop and take a few minutes this morning and say, have you seen God work in your life over the last year? All of us could stand up and probably share something and say, look at what God has done in my life. But what difference has that made? What difference has it made that God does things on our behalf in the way that we live on a regular basis? The answer to that is, it should make a difference in the choices that we make. Each and every day, we have a choice. Each and every day, we have many choices. You wake up, and you get to decide what you want to wear, what you're going to eat for breakfast, and many, many other things. But those are not the choices that I'm speaking to you about this morning. The choices that are before us each and every day that matter for eternity are the ones that we make for God. And so as we look at Paul and Silas' life this morning, we're going to see the power of one, the power of one choice that God can use to change what happens in our lives. We come upon Paul and Silas here in verse 22 in a pretty difficult situation. Verse 22 tells us, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Do you know what? Paul and Silas, they were beaten. They were punished. They were punished for choices that they made. But were they choices that they made to do wrong? No, actually, they were doing no wrong. Not before God, that is. They realized that their choices every single day had to be more about God than it had to be about man. It even tells us in Acts 5.29 that we better obey God rather than man. And Paul and Silas did that. They made that choice on a regular basis to obey God instead of man. 
because they followed God. A multitude rose up against them, and magistrates tore off their clothes and said, these men must be beaten. Now Paul and Silas had a choice. What were they going to do? Were they going to follow through with what they said, with what they believed, with what they held on to? Verse 23 gives us that answer. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Paul and Silas had the opportunity to say, whoa, 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 slow down. We didn't really mean that. We weren't really going to do these things. We'll back off from our position. It's okay. We're not as committed to our choices, it seemed like. We must be committed to our choices for God. Paul and Silas were willing to do that. They were not only willing to do that, they were willing to suffer on behalf of their choices. Are we willing to make choices even if it results in our suffering? Not only were Paul and Silas beaten, they were then thrown in jail and they were commanded to be kept securely. What did kept securely mean in that time? They didn't have maximum security prisons as we would be thinking of. So what was their maximum security prison? It was being physically chained to a Roman soldier, a centurion who would be there together, chained with you, and you could not escape. Talk about maximum security. You had to eat, breathe, and do everything with a soldier chained to you. Their situation went from bad to worse, and they continually had choices. What choices would they make? We will see here in just a minute. Read with me in verse 24. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. At this point, Paul and Silas were literally in the pit of despair. They were literally in a situation where they were like, this is horrible. We are being treated unfairly. And maybe they were. But did that change their need to make a choice? Absolutely not. Does our situation change our need to follow God? It doesn't. We still have to make a choice. The Bible tells us to consider our life. It really is just like a vapor that is here today and gone tomorrow. And when we get to the end of our lives, we will start to think back on all the choices that we have made and say, what have I done with my life? You may say, I don't know that God can use my life at all. I'm not even sure that my purpose here on earth is for anything but just to survive. I will encourage you this morning by saying it is much more than surviving. It is thriving for Jesus Christ. But that depends on our choices. So as we look at the choices that Paul and Silas made, we will come to verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Pause with me there just one minute. As we think about our lives for God, we can't always control what happens to us. That is out of our control. But we can always control how we respond to it. Paul and Silas had a choice to make. They could curse God and die. They could turn over and say, this is not worth it anymore. Our lives are coming to an end. We might as well just go to sleep. It's midnight, verse 25 tells us. Now, I know some of you may be night owls. I know some of you may like to stay up late. But I imagine for the majority of us, by midnight, we're either in bed or headed that direction. But Paul and Silas, after having been beaten and put in prison, chained to a Roman soldier, they are not sleeping. They are what? They are praising God. 
as we look about the things that happen in our lives, we don't always understand why things happen the way that they do. But that is not for us to understand. That is not for us to choose. But what is our choice? It is our choice to continue to make God our priority or not. And so what is it the first thing that we see Paul and Silas do? They were praying. Prayer is a wonderful thing. Prayer is really a token word that we use often. And I think we even look at it as maybe a magic key that unlocks doors. But you know what? Prayer is not a magic key. Prayer is not something that opens doors every way that we want. Lord, this is what I want, so please allow this to happen. No, that is not why we pray, or at least it isn't why we should pray. Prayer is not about getting our will done, but rather his will. And so as Paul and Silas prayed, their focus was not getting what they wanted. Their focus was, I'm going to make God my attention, even though things are not going the way that I would want them to. So what was that first choice that we see in Paul and Silas's life? It was to focus on God instead of their circumstances. One choice, one small choice that may not really seem that significant, but yet it was a choice to say, this is not good. This is not comfortable. This is not what I would have chosen. But God, you are my all in all. You are my focus. You are the one that I'm going to pay attention to. And so instead of at midnight sleeping or doing any number of things, God, we are going to pray. One choice, one choice to focus on God, the power of one. That one choice may not seem like that big of a choice, but you know what? It had big impact. What type of impact did it have? We'll see here in just a minute. That was not the only choice that Paul and Silas made. But at midnight, it continues saying, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. We pray to get our attention on God, but we sing to give him glory even though we are not in control. If you sing here this morning to have the best voice or to continue to say things that or on your lips but not in your heart, we are singing for the wrong reason. Our singing needs to be done to God, not for us, but for him. We are not here this morning to praise God for our good. We do it for his glory. And that was Paul and Silas's focus. They prayed because they needed God in their life. And they praised because they realized, even though this situation, humanly speaking, is not good, he is still in control. And he is worthy of our praise, is he not? If we are not able to focus on God in that way, we are not going to make the choices that God would have us to make. So Paul and Silas prayed, but they not only prayed, they praised. They praised God. They made him their attention, and they gave him glory for who he is. They definitely weren't praising God because life was easy. They weren't praising God because they got everything they wanted. No, they were praising God because even in their trial, he was with them, and he was about to do something amazing. But even before we get to that something amazing, God was already at work. You may say, I don't see God at work here. At least it doesn't appear to me. What was God doing? The verse, end of verse 25 tells us, and the prisoners were listening to them. And the prisoners were listening to them. They were maybe even praying out loud. I imagine they were definitely singing out loud. I can even imagine there were some prisoners who were like, keep it down over there. Quiet. We want to be sleeping. I can imagine these things. The Bible doesn't tell us. But to some extent, we know that the other prisoners heard them. And whatever it is that their response was, as we follow God and we make choices for him, people take notice. People are watching you. People are watching us. And they say, how is he going to react? Look at the trial that she's going through. What will be the response? 
What is our response? What are our choices? Is it to do things our way, or are we going to make choices to do things God's way? Paul and Silas continually made God their focus. What was he going to do? What was the result? We now see here the next one thing that was about to happen. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Wow, what an amazing event. It says at the beginning of verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. That is some luck for Paul and Silas. I tell you why. They were just there, and it happened to be that before the foundations of the earth, God said there's going to be an earthquake on this time at this place, and it just worked out really, really well for them. No, this was not suddenly. It came out of nowhere. Why did this earthquake happen in verse 26? It was because they prayed. It was because they made God their attention instead of their circumstances. God is greater than any situation you can find yourself in today. There is nothing you are going through right now that God doesn't see, that God doesn't know, that God doesn't understand. And so as you look at whatever you're going through, which I have no idea what it is, and you say, how in the world can God use this? You don't get to know that, but you get to choose to follow him. And as we follow him, God is in the process of doing a great and mighty work. What was God in the process of doing in Paul and Silas's life? Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and all the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Wow, God, that's an amazing answer to prayer. What one amazing answer. You allowed us to be free. Now our chains are loosed. We are free. The doors are open and we can go. If any of you were ever in prison, what would you do if all the doors opened? Bye. See you later. I'm out of here. This is my ticket out of here. But do you know what? Sometimes God opens doors for us, and it's not what we expect it to be. Because God opens doors not for our comfort, but for his purposes. We often say where God closes one door, he opens another. But that is not for our selfish gain. Paul and Silas selfishly could have been, here we go, and sneak out of here and been gone. All the chains were loosed and all the doors were open. What one amazing answer. What one amazing direct response of God to Paul and Silas' prayer and praise of him. Isn't God wonderful? He is. But you know what? God wasn't done yet. Verse 27 and the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He imagined the prisoner, the head guard of the prison rather, imagined exactly what you would have done. These prisoners... They're gone. There's no way they're here. Remember, this isn't modern day with electricity and all the things that we would be used to. Any torches that might have been lit at midnight, they were out, and he thought his life was over. The keeper of the prison was responsible for every single prisoner. If even one of them escaped, his life was on the line. And instead of expecting him to then be killed by someone else, he said, why don't I just end my life? Why don't I just take control of my situation? And he is the exact contrast of what Paul and Silas did. Paul and Silas willingly gave up their life to God because they understood who was in control. Whereas the prisoner, the keeper of the prison, took life into his own hands and was about to kill himself. But aren't you grateful that even when we can't see, even when we can't understand, when we don't know what about, is about to happen, that God is still in control? 
This prisoner thought his life was over. This jailer thought his life was over and all the prisoners were gone. But God was not done yet. Verse 28, but Paul called with a loud voice. Paul called with a loud voice. One voice. What did that one voice do? Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here one voice that calls out in the darkness. One voice that Paul and Silas were willing to speak up and say, we are all here. Do yourself no harm. Do not take your life. Your life is much more precious than you imagine it to be. That is what God has called us to be. We are supposed to be a voice that cries out in the darkness. A voice that provides hope when people think that hope is gone. Hope is not gone, but our hope has to be in the Lord. Paul and Silas had their hope in the Lord, and that's why they were able to pray. They were able to praise. They saw one amazing response by God, and they were willing to stay and be that voice that cried out in the darkness. Are we? Is our trust in God such that we will not look for our own comfort, but that we will stay put even if it seems like all roads are saying, run? God expects us to do that, but it is our choice. Paul and Silas stayed put. They were that one voice, and they cried out, saying, do yourself no harm. Well, that was really good of Paul and Silas, but humanly speaking, maybe that was kind of foolish, too. Maybe that wasn't real wise on their part. You talk about choices. Paul and Silas just made probably the worst choice they could ever make. They just doomed themselves to die. They had an opportunity to flee, and instead they stayed. You talk about choices, Aaron. That choice does not make any sense to me. Humanly speaking, it doesn't. But as we follow God, things may not always make sense to us, but God always leads us to where we need to go if we are willing to follow him. Paul and Silas followed God faithfully, even when it didn't make sense to them. So what is God going to do? What is God going to do with a choice that, humanly speaking, seems foolish, but apparently is what God wanted? Verse 29 continues and tells us, Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. We have seen one voice, but now we see one light. One light that was asked for. But do you know why? It's important to pay attention who was asking for the light. It tells us in verse 29, then he called for a light. Who called for the light? It wasn't Paul. It wasn't Silas. It continues to say, but, call, but he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Who asked for the light? It was the jailer. It was the jailer. He was asking for a physical light, and I imagine he was checking and counting and one, two, five, 15, 38, everybody's here. Wow, what a miracle. Often when we look at our circumstances, we tend to attest what we accomplish with our hands as our work. But when something we can't control happens, amazingly we say, what a miracle. And it is. And God did a great miracle for this man. And he called for light. Why? Because he wanted to search out. He wanted to seek. He wanted to find. He was looking for answers. His answer was, is everyone here? But God was wanting to do something much more in his life. He asked for a physical light, but God wanted him to find a spiritual light. Why did this man ask for a physical light? Why? One prayer. One praise. One amazing response. One voice that cried out in the darkness. And now one light that was sought for. If Paul and Silas hadn't made one choice, and then another choice, and then another choice, this man never would have asked for light. He never would have sought answers. He would have just taken his life, and it all would have been over. 
Our lives are not over until God says it is, but we continually have a choice. As we see this one way that God worked through one light, we now see one question in verse 30. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What one amazing question. What one important question. But at the same time, I tend to ask myself when I read this passage, what? Where did that question come from? Paul and Silas haven't even spoken to the jailer, at least not that we know of. And the very first thing out of his mouth, what must I do to be saved? Why? Why would that be his question? Why would that be the first thing out of his mouth? I can tell you why. It's because of Paul and Silas' choices. Paul and Silas were beaten between an inch of their life, chained to a Roman guard, put in prison, were singing at midnight and praising God, and look at the answer that God gave them. I would be responding that way too if I didn't know the Lord. Something is going on here. They prayed and their God answered. God answers our prayer. Maybe not the way that we expect it. I don't think Paul and Silas woke up that morning and saying, you know, God, I could really use a really big earthquake that makes all the walls fall down and almost crush and kill us. I doubt that's what Paul and Silas woke up that day asking for. But is it exactly what God had planned? You betcha. And Paul and Silas had to make choices accordingly. As they made choices, God worked. And God brought this man to ask one amazing, powerful question. What must I do to be saved? I hope you know the answer to that this morning. I hope that you know the answer is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How can you be saved? It's by Jesus alone and in trust in him alone for for the gospel message alone that we can go to heaven and be with him one day. As we do that, we have that assurance of heaven, but we also have that assurance of God's work in our lives today. We should not just always be looking to heaven, though that's great. We should be looking to the fact that we should live for God today. Paul and Silas made choices to live for God today, and that is why they were asked the question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? If you know the answer to that question, I rejoice with you. I'm thankful for that assurance that you have. And then my question for you then is going to be, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the knowledge that you have? What are you doing with it? what God has done in your life. Paul and Silas were doing things. They were making choices. They were following him. Verse 32, verse 31, excuse me, tells us that very thing. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. What one simple answer. What one simple answer. It all is about believing. Not in yourself, Not in what you can do, but what God can do in and through you. Our salvation is about God. Why would our lives be any different? But that's not how we live. We live as if our salvation depends upon God, but our daily choices depend upon us. No, we need to continue the same way that we began. We need to allow our choices every single day to be about God and Him and do that one right thing and that next one right thing. And as we follow God, God will lead and direct in ways that you may not think or imagine. But God wants to use you. He wants to use us. But who is it up to? It's up to us. It's up to our choices. It's up to the path that we choose. When the world goes left, go right. When people go one way, go the way of God. Whatever God is doing, do that. Wherever God is leading, follow that. And it may not be to Peru. It may not be to South America. It may not be around the world. But wherever that is, that is being a missionary. 
That is following God and giving him your life and making choices that reflect your relationship with him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. What an amazing opportunity that Paul and Silas had. And as we reflect on what Paul and Silas were able to say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that opportunity was great. Man, I wish God would let me do that. I wish God would use me in that way. Did Paul and Silas just by happenstance find themselves in that situation? No. Why did they end up in that situation where they could say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? It was because of all their choices. We have choices every single day. And our choices will determine where we are headed as we make God our focus. Verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. What an amazing opportunity God gave them. But he was not done yet. And he took them, verse 33, the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Immediately he and all his family were baptized. As we've seen all these choices that they have made, we now see one decision. One decision. Now, it's not Paul and Silas's choice. It's one decision by this jailer and his family. You may say, I don't see that one decision, Aaron. Show me where you see that they made a decision. Verse 33 does tell us, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately, he and all his family were baptized. Let me ask you this. Who gets baptized? We don't baptize someone unless they understand the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so they were baptized because of one decision, one decision that they made. 34 continues to go on and confirms for us. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Isn't our God great? Isn't it amazing to look back over four years in Peru and say, look at all the things that God has done. But it has taken choices. It has taken sacrifices. And I think you can reflect back over the last six months, year, four years, and say the same thing. Isn't God great? Isn't it amazing? But that has only happened because of your choices. Your choices to follow him and make him a priority in your life. And as you've done that, God does a great and mighty work. God is doing wonderful things. This entire family believed in God because of why? Because of one choice, one choice after another that Paul and Silas made. So as we see one decision that these, this family made, God was still working. We don't only see one decision, we see one transformation. Verse 33 continues and says, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Washed their stripes. Remember what happened when Paul and Silas were getting ready to be put in jail? What happened? They were beaten with many rods. Who do you think it was that commanded them to be beaten? It was the same jailer. The same jailer that not 12 hours or less earlier said, have them beaten, is now washing those same wounds that he healed. You want to talk about one transformation. You want to talk about a life change for Jesus Christ. It was this jailer. It was this man who saw Paul and Silas' choices and said, I don't know what it is, but whatever you have, I want it. And he accepted it. And God did one amazing transformation in his life. God changed the life of a man and entire family, but it didn't just happen by chance. It happened by choice. It happened because Paul and Silas made God their priority. And when he had brought them, verse 34, into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all 
his household. They rejoice. They rejoice together. That last choice, that last thing that we see that occurred, that an entire family not only gained heaven, but they also gained their hope in Christ. Their hope that despite a situation where maybe still they would be in risk of losing their life, they could rejoice. Why? Because they had seen the hand of God. They had seen God do things that only God can do. Have you ever seen God do something in your life that you say, the only way this happened is because God did it? As we see that, we need to make choices. And we have a choice every single day, not just what we'll wear, what we will eat, but whether we will follow God all the days of our life. God tells us that we are supposed to choose this day who we will serve. Who will you serve? Will you serve self or will you serve our Savior? As we serve our Savior, he will lead you places that maybe you don't expect. It might not be to jail. It may not be to Peru. But he may lead you to places that you would never expect yourself to go. But are you willing to go there even if it's uncomfortable? Even if it requires sacrifice? Even if it requires yourself to be in an uncomfortable situation? If you are willing to do that, do you know what God's doing? He's lining things up. And as you make that next right choice, he's lining things up. And as you make that next one choice, he responds. And as you make that next one choice, he opens doors that no man can shut. And as you open and take that next step, he continues to do his work, even though you don't know what's going to happen. Do you know what he's getting ready to do? He's getting ready to set in motion what you have chosen for his glory. Why do things happen the way that they do? Because God is in control. But it is up to us whether we will follow him or not. We have choices every single day. What choice will you make? Will you follow God? Will you turn your life over to him? If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's your first choice. That's your first step. That's what God wants you to do today. But if you are here this morning and you say, I know God. I have a relationship with him. I praise the Lord for that. And I am thankful. But that is not the end. That is just the beginning. That is the beginning of choices that you need to make every single day in every single way, giving God the focus for your life. Does God have your entire focus? Even if you're going through hard times, can you pray to him? Can you praise him? Can you give him the glory even if things aren't what you wanted them to be? As you do, he will lead you every step of the way. He will walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you, but you have to be willing to follow one step at a time. It's all about choices. Follow God all the days of your life, and he will do great and mighty things. Let's pray.